Welcome to Ambo TV. Each week we bring you dynamic sermons from next generation pastors from across the country. And as always, they're bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. And then we discuss them right here in studio. I'm your host, Dean, hashtag always blessed Windsor. And today we have a great show for you. We have sermons from Washington, Georgia, and Florida. And gospel artist Darius Polk is here. So stick around. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a great show. And first up is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. And he's talking about the gift of the Spirit. And for him, it's not some deep theological question, but it comes down to a simple principle. Stay tuned to hear what it is. And next, we go to Forsyth, Georgia with Pastor Chris Emmett at Mountain Lake Church. And he's finishing up their sermon series, Overrated. And this week, he's dealing with the heavy subject of forgiveness. He lets us know what it isn't and why it's important that we forgive. And lastly, we go to Cape Coral, Florida with Pastor Cindy Grasso. Been a while since Cindy's been on, and she's talking about what it means to sit with Jesus and to invite him in as your guest. Then we have a special interview with gospel singer-songwriter Darius Polk. He's here to talk about his new album, Strong. And I'll be joined in studio by Pastor J.R. Carmichael from Liberty Church right here, downtown Manhattan. He's gonna help us break down these awesome messages, but right now, let's go to Pastor Daniel Fusco in Vancouver, Washington. The idea is now when the Holy Spirit is poured out and people are now empowered, to be able to do the work that God has called them to do. Now, what I want to tell you about the baptism of the Holy Spirit is simply this. The Bible, there is not one way that the Spirit of God baptizes people. And it's not really about timing. It's just about the impact of what happens when a person is baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, and we'll be looking at this as we continue through areas of the book of Acts. And you'll see how sometimes people are baptized and then they're filled again and again and again. Yeah, that happens. Some people are baptized in the Holy Spirit at a time other than when they are, uh, put their faith and trust in Jesus. You have other people who they believe in Jesus and they get baptized in the Holy Spirit in the same moment. So because of that, obviously, it creates some confusion, doesn't it? Because of that, people are like, well, how does it work? And I always want to tell people, it's not about timing. It's just about the reality of a person being baptized with the Holy Spirit. It was also said this way. This is the way John the Baptist said it in Luke chapter 3, verse 16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, it's amazing that you see, in what we read in Acts chapter 1, Jesus is saying, listen, John baptized you with water, but you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right, in just a few days. And John is saying, listen, I baptized you with water. Water baptism is a good thing. He's like, but there's one coming after me who, he's like, I'm not even worthy to be his lowest servant, to be the person who takes off Jesus' shoes, his sandals, his Birkenstock. That's why I love him so much. Jesus wore Burke, so do I. No, just kidding. But, but he's saying, John's saying, but when the Messiah comes, he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, a lot of people struggle with what does the fire mean? You know, it, it, and there's a lot of different ways that people choose to interpret that. In a lot of ways, the idea is that when a person is in Christ, they get refined by Jesus. They get transformed by him. The idea of being baptized by fire speaks of God, in a sense, burning off the things of our lives that are unnecessary. 
so that only what is important for us to remain. It's the transformation that happens. And, and in talking about this life hack series, really our goal is that the ultimate work of the Spirit is to transform someone's life. See, that's what God really wants. He wants us to be changed. He wants us to be transformed. He wants to do a work in each one of us. And part of the, the struggle for people of following Jesus is that we really want the new life, but we really don't want to have to be changed. Like, we really want the transformation, but we don't want to have to make any different decisions, right? It's like, God, I want you to do a work in my life. God, I want you to teach me patience. And then he gives you situations to be patient, and you're like, why is this not happening right now? It's like, well, you pray for patience. Like, patience is learned in real time. It's not, it's, I, I think we have a tendency to think that in a lot of ways, spiritual growth is like uh, that scene in the Matrix where Neo is getting all the computer upgrades. I can do jujitsu, you know? I can do Muay Thai, you know? It's like, it's like you think you just download the program and all of a sudden you walk in that stuff. That might be cool for the Matrix that when you're plugged into a machine and you're getting things downloaded in your brain, but in the way the Spirit of God works, when he wants to transform your life, he puts you in a situation where you have to choose to do a different thing than you would normally do. And most of us hate that. Because it's hard enough just to make it through every day, let alone let God do a huge heart work in us. When I th one of the things I tell people all the time, I'll tell you, I always know what God's working in my life by what's making me frustrated. Because I would love to say that I'm always so willing for God to change my life, but whatever makes me frustrated, whatever gets me a little angry, those are the areas where I go, that's where God is working in my life. When every time I'm like, that just makes me so mad, right there, I'm like, okay, that's the curriculum that I'm in right now. Because normally, I do not believe that by default, many of us are really open for what God wants to do. And that's why the idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, it's this, God wants to refine you. And so if right now, if you're going through stuff that's frustrating, that's challenging, you can either resist what's happening, and it's still gonna happen anyway, no matter how much you're fighting against it, or you can choose to surrender to it and say, God, like a great artist, you are doing a work right now. And sometimes God uses the hammer and chisel, knocking off big parts of your life. Other times it's just the steady rub of the fine graded sandpaper. And I don't know which one's worse, you know? Sometimes I think the slow grind is worse, right? But God loves us enough to receive us just as we are, and he loves us too much to keep us like this. So God's doing a work of transformation. All right, there's Pastor Daniel Fusco giving us a baptism by fire, which is kind of a thing, right, isn't it? And joining me <laughs> is Pastor J.R. Carmichael. Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for having me. Excited to be here. All right, so let's dive in. I mean, this baptism thing, it's a thing for most of us. Um, some people get baptized once in their life, and it's all good. And then others, you know, you have your, your confirmation, or you have another baptism, yeah. you know. So, yeah. But this idea of the baptism by fire and us... I kind of feel like the point he's driving at is that we're in this constant kind of baptism throughout our whole lives. Is that, is yeah. that kind of the, the, the point he's trying to make here? I, I think, you know, like you said, I think for people who would say, you know, I have a relationship with Jesus, one of the key moments in that journey 
is being baptized by water. And because it's, it's a big deal because you're, ex, you're basically, it's a physical representation of an inner transformation revelation that's happening. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, what he's talking about, I think the Holy Spirit then in us convicts us. Okay. And it, it's trying to lead us towards change. So I wouldn't necessarily say that we're experiencing a baptism every single day. But once we receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit every single day is trying to lead us to be closer to Jesus. And what we are experiencing and what he's talking about is, is conviction. And, and he's saying, hey, every single day, once you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to have the, the opportunity to choose okay. in certain situations whether or not, hey, I'm going to choose to follow Jesus in this area of my life or I'm going to choose not to. Okay. So now when, when you speak of conviction, could you be a little more like descriptive maybe for the folks at home that might not, you know, have a good idea of what you mean by conviction? Yeah, I, I think it's to put it in more so like just, you know, everyday language. It's this understanding of really right and wrong. Okay. And when we're following Jesus, that Jesus calls us to live a certain way that's honoring and brings glory to who he is. And so there's certain decisions where, you know, let's say maybe I'm at work and something is presented to me at work and I have to make a decision on, am I going to choose to honor God with this or am I going to choose to not honor God with that? Okay. All right. That's fair enough. So you have to, you have a choice to make. There's always a fork in the road and that is up to you. Now with that, we're going to be back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing you next generation pastors from across the country. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Daniel Fusco, but right now I want to get to Pastor Chris Emmett in Forsyth, Georgia. Let's check him out. The, the process of forgiveness is such a vitally important process in the healing process. And in my line of work, in, 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 in ministry and being a pastor, I get a front row seat to people's pain. I get a front row seat to people's pain. Walk with people through some very difficult times. And if you want to know what goes on behind closed doors, you go, I wonder what goes on behind closed doors. I know and I've seen what goes on behind closed doors. And unfortunately, I've seen human beings do some awful, devastating things to other human beings. Emotionally, mentally, physically, unmet expectations, abuse, neglect, lying, cheating, stealing. Human beings can just destroy other human beings. And it's easy to allow unforgiveness to set into our lives. And it doesn't matter the amount of pain. If you've been hurt, if you've been lied to, if you've been wounded, then you know this idea that you, of forgiveness and wrestling with this idea of unforgiveness. And so the topic today is unforgiveness is overrated. Unforgiveness is overrated. Now, I think it's similar to the topic of worry, and I think it's similar to the topic of quitting. We talked about the past two weeks. I don't think many people would go, I disagree with you. I think most people would go, yeah, unforgiveness is overrated. However, many of us harbor these unforgi this unforgiveness, this feeling of resentment, of bitterness, of anger toward the other person. Why do we do that? Let me propose one idea, what I've seen so often uh, in my ministry, and it's simply this, is that unforgiveness gives us a false sense of leverage over the other person. Unforgiveness gives us a false sense of leverage over the other person, meaning 
you hurt me, you lied to me, you cheated on me, you abused me, you neglected me, you failed to meet my expectations. I'm hurt, I'm offended, I'm wounded. You've gone on about your life. And so this unforgiveness, resentment is the only way that I can get even with you. And if we hold on to it, it gives us this false sense of leverage against the other person. But the reality is what unforgiveness really does is unforgiveness, it just severely limits our own lives. Unforgiveness severely limits our own lives. Instead of leveraging whatever we think we want to leverage over the other person, all unforgiveness, bitterness, anger, resentment does is it severely limits our own lives. Earlier this week, I read an article from uh, John Hopkins, and it was on forgiveness and what it does to the human body. And here's what, and just part of the article what it said. It said, whether it's a simple spat with your spouse or a long-held resentment toward a family member or friend, unresolved conflict can go deeper than you may realize. It may be affecting your physical health. The good news, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge rewards for your health lowering the risk of heart attack, improving cholesterol levels and sleep, and reducing pain, blood pressure, and levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. Then later would go on to quote Dr. Karen Schwartz, and she would say this, there's an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed, and on the topic of forgiveness, she would say, forgiveness, it is an active process in which you make a conscious decision to let go of negative feelings, whether that person deserves it or not. And so unforgiveness gives us this false sense of leverage against the other person. If I harbor this against them, then somehow, some way, it's hurting them. And the reality is all it does is hurt us, not only mentally and relationally, but also physically. Illustrate it this way. It's it's like carrying around this 25-pound weight for your entire life and me carrying around this weight thinking that it's affecting you. So I'm going to carry this weight. I'm going to drag this weight with me everywhere I go thinking that somehow you're going to be affected by it. And the reality is you've moved on with your life. You've hurt me. You've caused me pain. You've offended me. You've wounded me. And so I harbor unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment in my own life. And all it does is severely limits us, but we carry it and we drag this weight along with us wherever we go. All right, Pastor Chris Emmett with the props today and bringing out the <laughs> weights, but um, I mean, it's, it's real. It's an old cliche. Yeah. I mean, my mom used to say, you know, like it's uh, resentment is like a bag of bricks. So yeah. what you gotta do is just let it go. You just gotta set it down. So some people it's hard though. So like what would be some good ways or some good steps to like start to let go of resentment? Yeah, I think uh, I know for me personally, uh, a big situation in my life was trying to find forgiveness for my dad, mm. uh, just for situations that happened growing up as a kid. And, uh, and I think the biggest thing that kind of changed my whole perspective was realizing that if I believe that God died for me and yeah. he forgives my sins, then I have to believe that that's also true for my dad. Mm. That mistakes that maybe my dad made while I was a kid that affected our family, God's forgiven him of those things too. So if, if God's forgiven me and him, then I have to find it in my heart to believe that I, I'm capable of also forgiving him. But I think the, um, the number one thing is realizing that forgiveness isn't about um, saying that it didn't happen. And I think the first step is realizing that it's not denial of something that happened, but it is about realizing that 
when you harbor unforgiveness, you're carrying something um, oftentimes that the other person in the situation is not even carrying. And so it's more so forgiveness has more to do with you oftentimes than the other person. And I think you have to realize those things, um, you know, see the person the way that God sees them and, and realize that it has more to do with you than even the other person that you're trying to forgive. All right, I like that. So it's less about the person that did you wrong and more about you just kind of moving on and growing as a person. We're going to get back to Pastor Chris Emmett a little bit later, but right now I want to get over to Pastor Cindy Grasso. Let's go ahead and check her out. Today, I want to answer the question of who. Who do we share our lunch with? Because what ends up happening for me is that I end up sitting in the same chair and seeing the same people all the time. It's something that we get used to. This is my chair. This chair comes actually from my dining room. I've had it for about 15 years, and it actually, the dining room table that we had with it, long gone, but I still have the chair. I like the chair. And what we do as human beings is we have a chair that we sit in, and we go from chair to chair. We all have chairs. You have a chair that you sit in to have coffee in the morning. You go to work, and you sit in an office chair. If you're a student, you go to school, and you sit at a desk. If you could be a UPS driver, and your chair is the driving your truck. We all have chairs that we sit in. And not only that, but it's the thing of when you sit in somebody else's chair, you get to see what they see. Because where you sit determines where you see. It determines what you see. And today I wanna talk about what happens with people's lives is that we get comfortable. And I can go from my kitchen chair to my office chair, and then I can go to the same restaurant, and I see all the same people. <laughs> you know, you don't even see new people in your life, or pretty soon you don't even see the people because you only see one or two of them. So who, who am I supposed to share my lunch with? Well, human beings do something with their chairs that is interesting. And what that thing is, is they tend to sit with people who are like them, like gather in groups. There's something called confirmation bias. What it means is that if you are talking to someone and they say something you already agree with, you are like, I like that person. <laughs> I like them. If you're reading an article, you're reading something and you, it, in the article, it supports what you already believe. You're like, this is the best article ever. We tend to gravitate toward what we already believe. We tend to gravitate towards people who believe what we believe, see what we see, sit in the same kind of chair, and we get in these groups. Carolyn Beckman has a quote, and it says this, that human beings have two basic needs, to belong and to be loved. And that's what we do. We long, I mean, God put it in you to belong and to be loved. And so we want to belong to something, and it usually ends up being people just like us. Well, the problem there is that then we have groups. We have groups of people who are sitting over here, and they're saying, hey, this is what I believe, and these are the people that believe it too. We are awesome. And they're like, but you're wrong, and we, are, we believe better than you. And these people over here are going, uh-uh, no way. The way we see it, we see it right. You know, and sometimes... It takes you getting out of your chair 
to see something different than you've ever seen it before. Right, Pastor Cindy Grasso making a really cool point. I mean, look, like Jesus, you know, healed the, the Roman soldier's son. Right? Yeah. And that Roman soldier was obviously pagan, right? He had Roman gods that he worshiped. But Jesus didn't care. Jesus wasn't asking him who he prayed to before he healed him. So, I mean, is this kind of like a commentary on us, how we should be treating our secular friends and we should have more maybe and, and not be so secluded? Yeah, I think when you look at, even when you look at Jesus uh, throughout the Bible, he was constantly spending time with people who we would uh, kind of say, oh, I'm surprised he was hanging out with yeah. that person. But that's who he was. And, and what I think Jesus realized is he realized his, his calling was to reach people and to save people. And you can't reach anybody that you don't really know. Mm. And, and so what I, what I often like to encourage people is, is I think there is a balance to where you have to be strong in your faith um, so that you can choose to spend time with people who don't believe the same things that you believe. Um, but I think it's, 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 it's you grow from being around people who think differently than you. And, and when you believe that, I think that it's only through relationship that you even have the opportunity to really reach somebody mm. with, with faith. And um, I can go to somebody that maybe is, is not in church and, um, and I could try to tell them about Jesus, but if there's no relational equity there, what gives them the desire to even want to hear what I have to say? And so I think it is important to say, hey, we have to not just be the church on Sunday and be in church, but we have to be the church every single day. Every, everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to be the church and build relationships with people. I love that so much, man. Be the church and relational equity. That is, that's gonna be my new word for the week. And uh, we're gonna be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome back to Ambo TV, bringing a fresh new style to the Word of God. Before the break, we were checking out Pastor Cindy Grasso, but right now, I want to get back to Pastor Daniel Fusco. Let's go ahead and check him out. The work of the Spirit creates confusion. I wish it wasn't so. But when the Spirit is at work, oftentimes confusion follows. Because what goes on is they hear this sound. Everybody who's in Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost, they hear the sound and they're like, what is going on? And they're drawn to this sound. And then all of a sudden, they run into this early church who are now speaking as the Spirit gave them utterance. And everybody is hearing them declare the amazing works of God, but everyone's hearing it in their own, the language of their origin. Now, what makes this really complicated is some people want to say that the gift of tongues is an angelic language, right? That some people have the interpretation for, and you find that in the scriptures. Some people say the gift of tongues is actually speaking in a language that you've never spoken in before. So like, it's like if all of a sudden I started speaking in fluent Farsi, but I don't know how to speak Farsi, that would, so the gift of the Spirit is an actual language that you've never spoken in before. And other people would say that it's you speaking in your own language, but people hear it in their own heart language. And you know what the answer to that is? I don't know. All I know is that you have primarily Galileans who didn't speak all these languages are speaking in languages and everybody's hearing it in their own heart language. And they're, and they're declaring. But the key is, what are they declaring? They're declaring the marvelous works of God. So the gifts of tongues is the ability to declare the marvelous works of God in a way that is unique. Now, depending on what church you grew up in, depending on 
what Bible teachers you like to listen to. Everyone gives their own little pet interpretation of how this all works. And you notice I'm not doing that because I don't know the answer. Like, did the Spirit stir in such a way that they were speaking in angelic language and people just heard it in their own heart language? I don't know. Were they speaking in languages they'd never spoken in before? Don't know. Were they speaking in their own language and everyone's hearing it in their own language of their origin? I don't know. But what I do know is that when the Spirit is at work, people start getting confused. Because notice what happens. I hope you didn't miss what went on. It says here, so they were all, verse 12, amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And others mocking said, they are full of new wine. So everybody was perplexed. They didn't know what it meant, but there were some people who were like, these dudes are drunk. Now, it doesn't mean that they were acting drunk, right? Sometimes churches get weird like that. We're like, I'm drunk in the spirit. It's like, no, you're just acting like you're drunk. It doesn't say that they were acting drunk. It says that right away when the spirit was at work, some people were confused and began to ridicule the people in the spirit. Now, of course, I want to remind you all this. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. Some of your translation says, a spirit of confusion. But of power and of love and of a sound mind. And in a lot of ways, I believe that the best definition of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is somebody with the spirit of power a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. That's the best definition of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you say it's of power, but it's not about love, and you're kind of out of your mind. I'm wrong. Or me being in the Spirit, it's all about my sound mind, but there's no power. And yeah, I believe in love, but I really don't walk in it. Or some people would say, it's all about love. Well, it is, but actually God wants us to be empowered and if you have said, so it's all three together. All right, Pastor Daniel Fusco talking about something that's like seriously a conflict between denominations and that's speaking in tongues. And I wanna say, you know, kind of the gist here is that different peoples have different ideas, but as long as the core message is, is the same, it's, it's all right, you know? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's important to even say that um, everybody, that God chooses to bless every person with different gifts. And I think the biggest thing is to, if you don't have one of those gifts, or maybe um, your church or the denomination that you're a part of doesn't necessarily um, understand or know what, you know what those gifts are, it doesn't diminish or make your relationship with God insignificant. Okay. Um, and so I think everybody receives different gifts from God. And, and I think at the end of the day, I think the, the core message is, is the gospel. We want the gospel to move forward. Mm -hmm. The truth that Jesus died for our sins, um, but he overcame death so that we would have life and life to the full. And I think if, the, if that's the message that's being preached, and if, if the message is coming from the Word of God, then I think at the end of the day, that's, that's what's important. And, and just realizing that um, everybody has different gifts, but I think that's the, the power of the church. I think that's the power of um, these denominations and, and, and seeing how the gospel can be expressed differently. 
I think there's power in that. And so I think my biggest thing from what he was communicating was not to be discouraged if you don't have that gift. Okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, look, we all have our gifts. Pastor, you're a pastor. There's your gift. My gift is getting on camera and uh, talking to pastors. This is what we do. My gift is Ambo <laughs> TV. And right now I want to go ahead and throw it over to Pastor Chris Summit. Let's go ahead and check him out. Now, hey, be very carefully because I walk through people through this a lot. And you got to understand that forgiveness is not these three things. Forgiveness is not reconciliation. Forgiveness is not trusting again. And forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is releasing or letting go. So you can forgive and not be reconciled. You can forgive and never trust that person again. You can forgive and never forget that experience, that wound, that heartache, but you can release it and not walk with or carry that burden. I'll illustrate it for you this way. Let's say later this week, you're on 400 headed north at five o'clock rush hour traffic. You're headed there. You're going a blazing one mile an hour. And that's lightning quick. And you're there and you're kind of frustrated. And all of a sudden, you look over to the car to your left and you see me. And you're going, hey, it's my preacher. Except he doesn't seem to be all that happy. And steam's coming out of my ears. And there's fire from my eyes because I love Atlanta except for the traffic. And so I'm trying to maintain my Christianity and my pastoral dignity, but it's about to blow and so you look over and you wave and you expect to get a wave back from me. But instead, what you get is fire from my eyes and I snap and I barrel through the front of your car, get onto the shoulder and peel out and head, head on home. You're floored because you're going, oh, my goodness, my pastor nearly ran me off the road. Next Sunday at church, you're going, hey, I'm not sure if you know this, but you nearly ran me off the road. And I go, hey, you know, it's Atlanta. Deal with it. Now, you can forgive, and you and I may never be reconciled. You go, man, I can't, I'm not going to be friends with him. I'm not going to reconcile. You, but you can still forgive. You can forgive and never trust me again. Man, if that's the way he acts, I'm never going to trust him, but you can still forgive. And you can forgive and never forget the jerk preacher that ran you off the road. But forgiveness is for you to release the weight that you've been carrying, the resentment, the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness. Forgiveness is saying, listen, I release it, whether we're reconciled, whether I trust you or not, whether I forget this or I remember for the rest of my life, I can still forgive. And that forgiveness you give should mirror the forgiveness that you have received. Now, again, been in ministry and walking through people through some difficult times, and I've heard this, and I'm sure you have. You may have even said something like this. You know, I just can't forgive because, and you fill in the blank. I just can't be, forgive because it's too painful. I can't forgive because it's too big of a mistake. I can't forgive because it's too fresh. I can't forgive because they're too close to me. I can't forgive because, and fill in the blank. What I want you to know is I want you to go back to verse 32. Look at verse 32. It says, Then the king called to the man he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Don't miss this. The man could have and should have forgiven the smaller debt because of the larger debt. You can forgive the earthly debt against you because of the eternal debt that you've been given. 
You can forgive because of what you have been forgiven for. And it's not underneath your own power, but by the power of the Spirit of God and the grace that poured in you and through you. All right, next on Pastors Gone Wild, we have the uh, dash cam footage from Pastor Chris Emmett's uh, car ride. Anyway, I don't know if you caught that part of the sermon. It was hilarious. So, but no, seriously, so somebody's really hurt us in our lives. And um, you know, we choose to forgive them, which we should. Yeah. You know, are we obligated to, you know, kind of open the door back up to let that person into our lives or... Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think we are, as, as we're following Jesus, I do think that we're, we're called to forgive them. Um, but I think as far as the, you know, allowing them back into our life, I don't think you forgiving somebody means that you now have to be friends. I, I think the biggest thing is, is making sure that you aren't harboring any bitterness towards them and, and so that you can move forward in your life. And so there are many situations where I've forgiven somebody for something that they've done to me. It doesn't mean that we're going to be rainbows and unicorns from that day forward. Okay. Um, I just think that it's more so about you being able to move forward in what God's, God has for you and what he's called you to do. And, um, but it doesn't mean that you have to let them back into your life. All right, so it's more of a, you know, it's more of back, back to the original question, back, back to the first one or the first part of Pastor Emmett's sermon was, you know, this is more of a personal growth thing yeah, than yeah. us trying to fix everyone else. Yeah. It kind of starts with us yeah. more than someone else. I mean, look, it makes perfect sense to me. It, it seems like more of a, it's not selfish. You got to work on you sometimes, yeah. man. And it's not always about letting someone walk all over you to, to, to work on yourself, correct? You agree? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, and again, it's not saying that it didn't happen. All right. But it is saying that, hey, I'm going to choose to forgive them um, so that I can move forward in, in my life. All right, that's it. There you have it. Let's keep moving forward. And with that, we're going to take another break, but we'll be right back with more Ambo TV. Welcome to Ambo TV. I'm your host, Dean Windsor, and today we have a super special treat for you guys. With us in studio is gospel singer, songwriter, and to me, superstar, Darius Paul. Darius, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having brother. me, man. How are you? All right, thank you for taking time out of your day just to be here. <laughs> I mean, so look, I, I want to get things started just in case some folks don't know. Okay. Um, your writing career has been tremendous, and, and I think thank the you. one song that might resonate with everyone is nobody greater, mm -hmm. correct? Yes. One, one of your, <laughs> is that kind of like the, the breakout song for you? Yeah, that was definitely my uh, breakout song. Um, I hadn't, that was my first, well, no, my second published song. Okay. Uh, but my first song that, you know, was ever on the radio at all. That's really what, yeah. that, that's what kind of catapulted yeah. everything. Yeah, no, not kinda. That's what it, it that's exactly did. what happened. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so how did, how did, how did that happen? Like, how did that song come about? How, like, what was your inspiration for writing that song? Um, I tell people all the time that the most beautiful things come out of, you know, just the most terrible, terrible situation. I don't even know if terrible is a word, but. <laughs> <laughs> it is today. The most horrible situations, you know, can, can sometimes kind of bring forth like just really beautiful, beautiful things. And um, Nobody Greater is just a testimony to that. I, you know, had lost my job. Uh, I had a roommate, he lost his job the same day. Car broke down, you know, no money, just like, Lots of lots of things just piling on all at the same time, and um, I try to write 
the opposite of where I am in my life sometimes. Um, you know, uh, writing is my anti-drug. Okay. No, I <laughs> so love yeah, that. so I try to write opposite of how I feel. So I didn't feel, you know, I didn't, I didn't feel like there was nobody greater. So I wanted to write the opposite of that. Um, and you know, I started singing it around the city, and people picked it up, and then hit YouTube, and then Sean heard it, and the rest is history. Oh, so that's how the meeting happened with Sean. Yes. Yeah, so he, he, you basically discovered through YouTube and through kind of word well, of mouth. Just really word of mouth. Um, I was at this church, and they gave me kind of the freedom to uh, try my songs out. Okay. <laughs> so Nobody Greater just happened to be one of those songs that I uh, tried out on the congregation one Sunday night, and uh, people were recording it and, you know, all that, you know, with the social media age or era. Uh -huh. um, so people were recording it, and they taught it to their praise teams at their churches, and it just kind of started spreading around the city, and Rashawn heard it in a service one day. Somebody was singing it, and he asked who wrote it, called me up, and but that's, that's so awesome. Yeah, that that's is. That's super yeah. awesome. So, <laughs> so now, being from Georgia, right, mm -hmm. that, like, Georgia seems to be this nexus of talent and, and just blessings, you know. Georgia's uh, very blessed, yes. It really, would you credit, <laughs> would you credit being, you know, a, a native uh, Georgian to, to your talent a little bit? Is it something uh, in the water? Like, you know, should um, we order cases I definitely believe, you know, something's in the water in Georgia. No, I'm right. um, uh, Georgia is, I think Georgia is really just a uh, melting pot of, of uh, it's southern, Mm -hmm. uh, but we have like the city aspect to it and we also have like the southern aspect. So I think I can attribute most of my musical acumen to just being kind of a part of that melting pot of different genres of music, different expressions of, of faith and music. And um, it just kind of made for, it just kind of crapped in my ear or formed my ear um, to just, you know, different things. Right. <laughs> I love that. So now let's, let's move into Strong. Okay. So what was the inspiration for the name? The name Strong? Yes. Um, I mean, besides the obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, I like to write, um, I like to write opposite of, of where I, of where I, where I, what I feel, of where I, where I am at the, at the time. And when we started putting the record together, um, I wasn't strong. I, I felt weak, I felt helpless, I felt like I should be further, I should be doing more, you know, I'm not, a, I'm not I haven't accomplished enough to, you know, um, I, you know, you have a certain, um, you have certain markers in your life, like, you know, when I was 19, I was like, I'm gonna be married by 25, you uh -huh. know, two kids by 27, you know, like, just so, I felt like I was behind, um, and I didn't feel, I felt like that was a weakness, almost. Okay. So, the, rec the records that I put that, that we started writing and crafting to go along with, to, to go on the record, um, they are all testimonies to, to the season that I was in. There, it's, it's like, a, it's like I, we, we tried to chronicle the season that, that, that I was in, and um, yeah, we named it Strong, just because every song is, uh, is, every song is crafted to kind of infuse whoever listens with some, some level of strength that they just didn't have, or some, some level of faith that they didn't know that they needed, you know. So yeah, we named it strong. Hope I hope everybody who listened to it kind of feels empowered when you listen to it. All right. So now um, I just want to remind everybody at home that Strong is out right now. It's available on iTunes. Everywhere. Where else? Yeah. Everywhere anywhere digital music get, is sold. Yeah. Anywhere you can get music, you can get you a copy of Strong. And I strongly, strongly. recommend <laughs> this album by this great man. Thank Darius. you, man. Darius, thank you, thank you so much thank for you, joining sir. us thank today. You. All right. 
Let's get back to Pastor Cindy Grasso in Cape Coral, Florida. The first story that he tells, because he says, you know, I, I, you're missing it. It's not about the outside and it's not about how much money you make or you don't make. It's not about your class. It's not about if you're good enough or you're bad enough. It's just about this. I want to show you heaven's perspective. And so he tells three stories. It's actually one story three times. And it is the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Now I'm gonna tell you this, spoiler alert. I'm gonna tell you what the story is about before we go into the stories. Because every single story has three things in common. The first thing is that something valuable is lost. And then someone is looking for that until they find it. And the third thing is there's a party. Somebody's throwing a party because they found or something came home. The first one is the sheep. And Jesus says, what if there was a shepherd and he had a hundred sheep and one of those sheep wandered off and got lost? Wouldn't he leave the 99 and go after that sheep? Have you ever lost an animal before? Do you know how that feels? Like it's scary because you know, they're not even necessarily doing it on purpose, although I would question some of them. <laughs> some of them would be the animals that I have um, had, obviously. We used to have this dog. When we very first got married, um, her name was Raven, and we got her because she was supposed to be a boxer. My husband's family had boxers, and she was a little tiny puppy, and she was so cute, and she had that brindle coloring. You were like, boxers are good family dogs, so we're gonna have this boxer. She was not a boxer. <laughs> she looked like a boxer, but she grew up into something that ran like the wind. <laughs> she had long legs, she had this long back, and what she would do is she would wait until we opened the door, or somebody would open the door, and she would, pew, she would run out the door. It was awful. She would, so we had a window and we had these curtains. And so when people came over to our house, um, she would wait right in the curtains and you couldn't see her. So you'd be like, welcome to, and she would like, and she could run so fast that we didn't even try running after her. We got in the car. We were like, we were getting in the car and we would drive because you're thinking, what is she doing? What if she gets hit? What if, I don't even know what's gonna happen. I'm pretty sure she's not doing it on purpose. I'm pretty sure she just wants to run. You know, she's like, I just wanna run. And we're like, you are a dumb animal. You're gonna get hurt, come back. And so we would get in the car and we'd drive and we'd get in front of her um, and we would open the door. We'd be like, Raven, this is a great idea. Come in here. And she'd be like, okay. She would come in here and we would take her home. And when we got home, the people that came to our house were like, yay, you found your dog. We were like, yes, we did. We we're so happy. We did have a cat at the same time and um, she never ran away. She was good. She would like see Raven go through the door. She'd be like, whatever, I'm not leaving. <laughs> that was a dumb idea. <laughs> this story that Jesus was telling is, you know, he didn't worry about the 99. He went after the one that wandered off. It was valuable. And when the shepherd found the sheep, put it on his shoulders, they came back and threw a party and Jesus said, the same things happens in heaven when one sinner repents. All right, we'll be right back with more Ambo TV.
for many of you, the pain of the wound is so deep, it's a daily thing going, Jesus, I forgive them because you've forgiven me. Jesus, I forgive them because you forgive me. I release it today. I release it in this moment. I'm not going to carry it with me. And the only way you can do that and I can do that is through the power and grace of Jesus. All right, there's Pastor Chris Emmett wrapping it up for us. And as we do at the end of every show, I like to ask our guests to uh, give us some scripture to kind of tie in with the uh, sermon that we just watched. Yeah, I think the, the passage that immediately comes to me is Colossians, Colossians 3, uh, verse 13. In the, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, and this is what it says. It says, tolerate the weaknesses of those in the family of faith forgiving one another in the same way that you have been graciously forgiven by Jesus Christ. If you find fault with someone, release the same gift of forgiveness to them. All right. I love that. Thank you so much. Pastor, Pastor Carmichael, thank you so much for joining us. Thank, thank you for you being for here me, today, man. man. I appreciate that. Come back again. I will. All right. I and will. if people want to check you out, it's the downtown Brooklyn campus yes, of, of Liberty Church. Liberty Church. All right. And to our partnering churches, Crossroads Community Church with Pastor Daniel Fusco, Mountain Lake Church with Pastor Chris and Cape Christian Church with Pastor Cindy. Thank you guys for those inspiring messages. Thank you to Darius Paul for stopping by. Pick up his album Strong. It's out right now on iTunes and anywhere else you can get digital music to see the complete sermons and other great sermons. Head over to AmboTV.com. We always have great content there for you guys. You can sign up for our newsletter and be be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and Spotify. I love you guys. Thank you for watching. Good night, and I'll see you next week.